this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, I speak to Krish Subramanian, CEO and co-founder of Chargebee, about revenue operations and Chargebee's journey from a bidding platform to a revenue operations platform. Revenue operations is one of those categories that's been uh, fairly new and widely discussed over the last sort of year or two uh, and that I'm learning about. And uh, let's hear from Krish so we can learn about it and learn about their journey. Krish Subramanian, CEO and co-founder of Chargebee. Welcome, Krish. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Good to have you back. It's been a couple of years since I think you were on the uh, the podcast uh, initially. Um, and uh, we were just saying, um, obviously, that Chargebee have been partners of, uh, of SASDOC uh, for, for five years. Um, so we, we've known each other and our businesses for... Uh, uh, for for some time, um, uh, which has been great, and very uh, very grateful for the, uh, the the long-standing uh, sort of partnership and support from uh, uh, from you guys. Um, are you are you, uh, are you calling from Chennai today? Yes, calling in from Chennai. Yes, that's right. It looks very sunny, unless that's the picture with lots of post-it notes. It looks very sunny and beautiful out there. Oh, it's always sunny in Chennai. Okay. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still yet to come, but I hear the SaaS scene is is booming uh, at the moment. And talking of SaaS booming, there was a conference called SaaS Boomy um, uh, recently, right, in, in January. That's right. Uh, the conference called SaaS Boomy for founders by founders. So just mm-hmm. share notes, be vulnerable, and then uh, share learnings mostly. Right? But yeah, mostly SaaS founders from all over India. Close to 400 plus founders came here. And then there were a total of 500 attendees um, sponsored by the ecosystem partners like VCs to enable this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, it was really good. We did a one and a half, uh, one and a half day uh, conference with mostly workshop style uh, sessions. Amazing, amazing. Um, uh, one day we'll have to do a SaaS talk in, uh, in, in India, but uh, still, still thinking about it. Um, uh, so t- tell us a little bit about your, uh, yourself, just a, a quick picture for those who um, you know, don't know, or haven't heard of you before uh, as a person, who is Krish, uh, and then also uh, Chargebee, uh, and, and uh, let the audience know who Chargebee are as well. Sure, thank you. Uh, my name is uh, Krish Subramanian, co-founder and CEO of Chargebee. Uh, Chargebee is a subscription management and billing platform uh, for SaaS and SaaS-like businesses. Uh, we process over $3 billion of invoicing uh, of our customers on an annual basis, uh, serving customers in 53 countries uh, with uh, f- close to 400 people working at Chargebee in uh, four countries. So, and uh, we are backed by uh, four investors, Axel, Tiger Global, Inside Venture Partners, and uh, Steadview. Uh, we have raised... Uh, just over $39 million in uh, capital um, and uh, serving over uh, 2,000 plus paying customers uh, from all these countries. And you mentioned, so you're in four locations now. Um, so you're obviously in Chennai, um, San Francisco, uh, I, I believe. And you mentioned Salt Lake City. Uh, was that a new one? That's right. Salt Lake City. And then we also have an office in Amsterdam. Very cool. And uh, so the European HQ is, uh, is Amsterdam. Why, um, just a little snapshot, why did you choose Amsterdam, not London, not Dublin, uh, Paris, um, uh, wherever? <laughs> so uh, Salt Lake City, why, why have you opened those particular offices and locations? Um, just like any scrappy startup, uh, we just look for uh, some options to one, um, be able to hire talent and then the network of people to help us hire. Uh, Inside Venture Partner, one of our investors, uh, they mm-hmm. happen to have a good presence in Amsterdam and then they connected us with people. Mm-hmm. It came down to just two, three locations, right? Uh, of course, the obvious candidates are definitely Dublin, London, and then Berlin and Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we just chose that because simply because uh, EU and uh, there was a young working crowd and people were willing to actually move to that location and others recommended it highly. So we picked the place. And, and why um, also have you, because you you remain a CEO in Chennai, uh, you know, did you ever think about uh, uh, at some point going to San Francisco and like, or, you know, one of the co-founders and usually the CEO kind of going there and like building out uh, the, the, the office and, and leading the charge there in the US? Right. Uh, the technical headquarters uh, as a company is still some, uh, US. Uh, but I spend, uh, between me and my, one of my co-founders, we spend about... Uh, uh, five to six months in San Francisco, right? I personally spent about four months there. Uh, we have been considering moving, uh, but then um, the, the larger team is here, the hub and spoke model with the, uh, the smaller locations there. So we are still building out the team and the leadership across the world. So we just feel like somehow the presence is necessary to build out the, uh, the leadership team, sufficient leadership team before one of us moves there. Um, I think it's just a practical decision at this point of time as to why we stay in Chennai. Uh, every time the investors ask, I keep saying this year, I'll move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mason, uh, well, uh, let, let, let's see what happens. Obviously, we've got SAS.North America in, in, in June um, this year. May, maybe there'll be an announcement that Chris has moved to uh, San Francisco by, by that point. Um, but uh, we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. So we're, we're talking about uh, revenue operations today. And obviously, I, uh, I never sort of perceived Chargebee or previously hadn't perceived Chargebee as a revenue operations business. And actually, revenue operations seems to be a newish term uh, to me anyway. Sort of 12 In the last 12 months, I've heard about this uh, first time, actually, um, I think was, you know, uh, last summer. And I think uh, from the company Go Nimbly. Um, uh, so the CEO, Jason, was, uh, I mean, they're all about revenue operations, Jason Reichel. Uh, and we've had him on the, uh, on the podcast as well. Um, but can you give us an introduction to revenue operations and, and speak about uh, sort of this idea um, in, in, in the way and what it means to, to you? Um, uh, that would be good to know. Absolutely. Yes. So. Traditionally, uh, I think revenue flow has been unidirectional, right? It's thought of as unidirectional, all the way starting from uh, marketing to sales to uh, product and then eventually uh, success, right? Uh, but when it comes to uh, subscription businesses, it's a flywheel today, right? Where uh, marketing feeds sales and then from uh, actually, even from marketing, it goes to product. The customers actually try your product first before it actually goes to sales and eventually it feeds your uh, funnel through flywheel through the customer success and then that's how your revenue flows, right? And it, in, a, in a model where it's a flywheel, where you are trying to make every component more and more efficient, uh, every function somehow becomes a revenue function, right? So regardless of whether you are trying to retain a customer and expand a customer or you are trying to acquire a new customer, every function is now becoming a, um, a critical revenue function. And it's not just a question of saying, okay, I'm collecting payments and then my marketing or product is the only revenue function, right? Or, or the, the only function at the top that actually influences it. Every um, function has a huge role to play. I think uh, we look at it in three ways, right? Now, over a period of time, our understanding has evolved where the data workflow and the tools and process necessary to enable this entire workflow cuts across all the functions of an organization. Um, I think if you look at company like Salesforce, I think Salesforce is a massive revenue operations team uh, that they built out. And only companies that actually massively scaled, uh, like Salesforce and ServiceNow, they actually started building out these revenue functions because they started understanding the importance of these uh, early on. 
it's not just an ops role, but it's the function of tooling and workflow and the data integrity of all, across cutting across all of this. Uh, and and that's where the idea uh, came to us uh, while talking to more and more of these customers. Um, and 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 that's what we mean by revenue operations. So and so my and, and thanks for that. And so the my limited understanding of revenue operations sort of before was very much, um, as you say, around sort of uh, bringing together sales, marketing, customer success, and so that it's not siloed anymore. But uh, but obviously what you're saying here is like, like every function within the business you know, can be uh, you know a, a revenue function, revenue operations, and you're tying this into kind of almost like a a full full circle by bringing in. Um, you know, I guess the the the, the back end, the billing, and uh, and so on, right? For these subscription businesses, that's right. So even a very small business, like let's say a ten member team, they tend to use between ten to twenty SaaS products. Right, um, a small company tends to use a small, very minimum marketing automation tool, at least a mail automation, right? And then a product like Intercom or a Crisp for customer communication that is integrated closely with product. And then, of course, you have a CRM, and then you also have your uh, billing system, and then the payment system, and eventually your accounting. It, you, you put these pieces together, and suddenly you're dealing with some 10 different tools, right? And then very quickly, it continues to grow as every one of the function matures. And, and this is one of the reasons why uh, investing in the kind of a infrastructure that actually ties the data together becomes very important. Otherwise, you would actually operate in data silos without being able to connect the systems together. Right. And, and this is why ops becomes the, the ops tools ops becomes very important. And then your data ops also uh, becomes very important. Right. All, all these together uh, come together as revenue operations. And, and, and so does this mean now, obviously, as we've like, previously perceived or, or known, you know, lovingly known ChargeBee to be a subscription billing platform, uh, that from the markets, the subscription billing will be removed from the website and from the verbiage of the sales team and, and we'll be, you know, uh, seeing you and talking about you as revenue operations uh, instead moving forward? Uh, no, actually, um, the way I'd like to describe this, right? Uh, I think it's a decision where we, it's not like the category has changed, right? Or it's not the way our customers are not change, beginning to describe the problem very differently yet, right? They still call this a subscription management and billing, right? And um, if, if we go back in time, right? When we started off, uh, customers used to call this, uh, or uh, rather we, even we understood this problem as a recurring payments problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And over a period of time, when we started growing with these customers, our customers were growing at an average of 160% year on year, right? which means that that's massive growth. Where the, the pain also accelerates and with, along with the learning curve. Right? And this is the same, meaning even the customer's pain actually continues to grow, meaning just like individuals, businesses uh, scale faster than individuals, right? same way, businesses tend to scale faster than individual functions. Right? And individual functions tend to grow at their own pace depending on the leadership, team structure, and all of that. But um, I think in modern subscription businesses, right, one of the things we are definitely seeing is uh, the, 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 the challenge of how we thought of as, okay, a payment processing problem became somewhat like a billing automation problem. And then now we are seeing, and then we used to call this a subscription management and billing automation. That's the reason why you need this tool. Two, now the reason why somebody actually ages the maturity of the customer is evolving to a point where they are saying, not just looking at it as, okay, I'm not looking at just something automation, but I want to also streamline operation. So yes, so the, 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 it's, a, it's scary when you actually say, are we going to see all of this to be changed? No, I think uh, um, 
we will still be we will be enabling revenue operations through subscription management and billing is how we see this right rather than um, this becoming a uh, a change in terminology yet i think there is just increased appreciation for investing in a role of uh, operations in every company is what we are mm-hmm. in in our customers world is what we are acknowledging uh, when we talk about revenue operations so will there be uh, so within so we're not seeing then um in my understanding then charge be uh, being sort of recategorized uh, or, or going after the category of, of revenue operations but rather kind of understanding how revenue operations um you, you know can play an importance to your customers um you know and how the role that charge be can play within that revenue operations kind of function uh, uh, as well but so within your team within your business uh, with this, uh, you've identified this sort of problem. Now you have to educate like the the company around revenue operations, and uh, is it changing? Uh, is it more like then your sort of go to market you, for existing customers? Are you now talking more in the language of revenue operations and talking about this problem and uh, and uh, enabling your salespeople to to talk about revenue operations as well as not just subscription billing? So what is what has changed internally in the company uh, and anything around your, your kind of sales process or content, et cetera? Beautiful, beautiful question, right? Uh, it'll be very, uh, how do I put it? Arrogant of me, I actually say that uh, we are going after revenue operations or so the world has changed simply because we are actually going to start defining as this, right? Uh, I think it's just a simple acknowledgement of the fact that the, there are more customers who are looking at us who are actually from the operations team who are actually saying, Hey, I'm looking to change our billing system, right? The biggest mm-hmm. realization is why is the CTO not looking at us or why is the CFO, right? There are different people who actually look at you at different stages of growth, but increasingly mm-hmm. we are finding operations people being, playing a very heavy role when changing systems. And they are taking a very pivotal role in the choice of system and the problem it solves, right? So basically we are educating internally and externally the one, the desire that we would like to be solving this problem and then want to be seen as the company that is actually really enabling the the operations people right inside and outside number two is uh, an increased focus in the product our product to play nice with every product that's out there which actually enables this revenue operations and in some way if you think about an intercom or a hubspot crm or a pipe drive crm and all the way through the accounting systems everybody has a role to play and then we are a, a, an important cog in the wheel in the infrastructure to enable this, but trying to say, claim, saying, okay, so we are the ones who enable revenue operations would actually be not genuine, right, in, in some sense. Um, I think the, the other part is for whoever is actually spending their precious time listening to this, I would actually, if there is one takeaway, I would actually say, if you are not investing in operations, right, in, by not hiring people who actually spend a lot of time thinking about connecting data, connecting systems, it is almost like the basic infrastructure that is necessary as a stepping stone for uh, better operations. So if there is one takeaway, I would actually say, start paying a little bit more attention to why are we all talking about operations more than ever? Like It's like when we were probably at a $5 million level, we started thinking about customer success and then pretty much the realization everywhere was, and every customer of ours also said, oh, if you're actually thinking about customer success, you're already probably six months late in thinking about customer success. Right. And now it has become so common that everybody just like setting up a customer support, you're already thinking about a proactive customer support. That's basically customer success. Right. But we are thinking of that as a function. 
I think at some point of time, just because of the nature of the way we are all building SaaS companies layered over each other's tools, right? I think operations becomes very integral to the way you operate. Like your systems need to be connected, your data integrity becomes very important, your workflows need to be streamlined. And for that, you need dedicated headspace and time to think about connecting systems together so you are able to make better decisions and operate better. All the other functions to be enabled to be operate better, to, to operate better, right? I think that's what we are actually acknowledging by saying revenue operations becomes very critical for subscription businesses, more so for SaaS businesses. How did you, uh, how did Chargebee like discover, identify this problem and this opportunity around revenue operations and the operations sort of function uh, being one that you, you can also speak to regarding, uh, you, you know, the, selling them or you, uh, the, the, the Chargebee problem? Is it, is it something where it's just continuous feedback from the teams and, and from customers? Is it, you know, sitting uh, in the office, like, you know, reading content, analyzing, like, how, how, do you, how do you identify the problem? Is it one person? Is it a combination of things? Beautiful. Uh, you know, I think uh, we wrote about this in a blog, detailed blog as to how we actually stumbled upon this or understood this. Uh, I think it's continuous customer development, as we call it, right? I think it's a very known industry, uh, industry terminology. But I think just by talking to customers and um, the, the terminology that they are using to acknowledge the problem and then who is actually, which persona of the user is really taking the lead in implementing the product, right? Um, I think th there are two parts to every product, right? One is who's really discovering your solution um, and then who's implementing your solution and eventually who's your power user, right? Any infrastructure product, most of the time, right? The person who's interested with actually uh, discovering the problem is someone who gives you deep insights about the why behind at what inflection point do people start looking for your product right and then your power users actually tell you something about how it's really valuable to them on a day-to-day -day basis right but the ones who implement it are the ones who can actually tell you all the frustrating pieces of how am i actually consuming your product right what makes sense i think for us the discovery or understanding of this happened by talking to these personas at different stages continuously, right? One is you pay more attention to your pre-sales conversations, right? You understand more about the why behind the, the, the choice is made. Uh, but um, just by going up, when, when our customers are evolving at a rapid pace, uh, where they are looking as a different team, for example, Freshworks started with Charvi when they were at just about a million dollars in revenue, right? And they've gone through, and, and they probably announced publicly sometime recently that they crossed $100 million or even more. Right, um, and they've been growing and added nine different products. They have they have been a different company in terms of process people over the years. Every eighteen months, they completely reinvent themselves and they look very different. So it's it's important that we, we it's not like we have a product. If you have a product market fit, it's not like your product market fit for that customer remains forever. It keeps falling apart as they continue to evolve. Right, not just for new segments but also existing customers. So the continuous customer development process is something very helpful where we deliberately consciously say, what is it I don't know about our customers? And how, how do I make sure that they don't churn out? They are going to look very different. Right? If a new CFO comes on board, am I going to lose the customer? So it's important to understand the expectations of the new executive who he really needs to champion the product. And through that process is how we actually continued understanding that the role of our product is now rapidly changing in our customer's world when they are actually going through rapid evolution year on year. Right. So as a company that wants, that has an aspiration to power high growth businesses in their journey from one to hundred million, it was very important for us to actually say, now every time we have to ask ourselves, am I still relevant to this customer? And, and that process is what led to this. Does that make sense? 
<laughs> make, 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 make sense. And, and you, you mentioned obviously a good point. Obviously, you, you know, once you found product market fit, which often is, you know, early on in, in the journey, but as you're getting to the, the, the first sort of million, which you guys, you know, long, long crossed, um, you know, then, uh, you, you know, you, you have to, well, let's say whether it's reinventing yourself, but you know, you have multiple product market fits in the, in the journey of your life. Uh, now, as the, the CEO of, of the business, uh, often you, you uh, and I sort of read a lot about the CEO also not necessarily having multiple product market fits, but reinventing themselves, uh, you, you know, sort of like year over year. So how, how has your journey been sort of like changing from obviously, you, you know, uh, co-founding Chargebury with the idea, getting, you know, from that product market fit time to, to now, you know, uh, 370 plus people, you know, four offices. Have you had to reinvent yourself many times? Or, um, you, you know, what, what's it like? Uh, what is the Chris uh, Supermanian like now compared to the one that started the business? Uh, I hope more uh, humble. Uh, I hope. Uh, no, I think, um, um, I think um, it has been a, so by virtue of being a founder, plus the CEO, right, or whatever is the title, we generally, we get the guilt by association because of the title, right, without being qualified for a job, right, at various points in our career, right? Uh, it's, it's a privilege. Uh, but at the same time, when every time the company goes through uh, different stages of growth, I think uh, one thing we, uh, the best way to reinvent ourselves, at least, at least from my realization, is every time the company needs, organization needs a specialist in that role, how do we replace ourselves by hiring someone better than us in that role, allow them to build it, I think has been the biggest learning process, right? The moment you actually realize that I'm hitting the limits of my own understanding of marketing, that's the right time to actually bring in a marketing leader and hand over the reins and then allow them to actually run with it better than how we have ever done, right? And we are the first salesperson, we are the first marketer, right? And so on and so forth. But I think the biggest uh, realization is this. And then the second part is, um, I think uh, what we bring to the table in my, in my understanding is better context. Like we, we, we don't get a seat at the table, not because we are, we know every function better, but what we bring to the table is better context about where we are and where we are probably heading, right? And more uh, understanding of the problem and the customer is what we bring to the table as a leader uh, amongst all the other leaders who operate the company, right? And take it to take it to the next level. Mm. I think uh, both these things have played a huge role in terms of uh, continuous learning to bring in specialists who bring something better than us to the table while actually being um, quietly confident about what we have to offer to them to enable them to be really good at what we do. I think um, that has been, uh, I think, uh, the biggest uh, learning part. And, and, and I think that gives some level of acceptance without being an imposter to be able to continue to play an active role in the, the art building process. In terms of your typical week, then, like now, like how how does that look? You know, what are you spending your time on for Chargebee? Mostly understanding. Uh, so th there is a part with respect to understanding all the data and making sense of okay, how are we? That is trying to make sense of the operations of a company through numbers is one part, right? And then uh, the other part is deliberately disconnecting from the data to understand the ground ground level reality by doing skip levels and talking to people. Right. That's something I'm, uh, I try to consciously do so because uh, we all thrive in information flow, right? So we deliberately try uh, not to have, at least at charge me, we try not to have a, a cabin unless it's for a meeting, right? So uh, the, the only way uh, we are going to be smarter in decision making is when there is uh, free-flowing information across the floor. 
so i deliberately try to make sure that uh, during the day there are a lot of uh, serendipitous interactions that are happening right is something that i uh, try and attempt to do through skip levels um from a, a regular uh, regular operations perspective i think mostly reviews like ops reviews is something that we calendarize and make sure that we are having a regular cadence to do that across various functions because it gives that um, role play and structure to retrospect and then uh, operate better right so that's one area where we spend more time uh, i still spend about 25 30% of the time in hiring it just that we hire more carefully right and then it becomes more important that we hire more carefully now so still 25 30% of the time goes into uh, working for better talent as well as uh, being part of the hiring process um, then of course we are a venture investment company so it's very important to ensure that uh, the the stakeholder management uh, communication all of that is manageable uh, and with the team growing so fast uh, there is not enough communication right uh, whatever we are trying to do with respect to translating our ideas to enable people to make better decisions allowing them to do it i think um spent trying to spend more time uh, learning to be a better communicator in writing right and spending more time in over communicating is something that i'm trying to get better at and uh, doing more of awesome and and how how do you look after yourself how, how do you stay healthy and sane uh, as you you run this uh, this scale up did i say i was sane i think i was speaking with uh, uh biraj pandey ceo of nutanix and then he was actually sharing something which is he said b2b we, we get very good at uh, there is war at work and learning to actually have peace at home is extremely important right and uh, so i think very grateful uh, for that part in terms of uh, being able to balance it um uh, second is i think uh, repeatedly being able to look at uh, the customer problems and then connecting uh, to the purpose of why we exist becomes very important because there is always a number of issues that actually crop up right one day everything looks amazing and then the next day you might also think that when you hear a bunch of issues it will feel like how the hell are we going to actually scale this then product right number of issues and then a lot of things might actually come up so trying to actually stay grounded with respect to the Uh, reality that nothing is as good as it looks and nothing is as bad as it looks the strike approach generally is something very helpful like apart from of course the regular things like okay having a active lifestyle and all of that right which is the regular stuff i think just the balance in perspective has been i think just been been very helpful and of course humor uh, plus another co-founder who already keeps you grounded saying you are not that good right uh, and then keeps you grounded and i think is very helpful <laughs> Awesome, awesome, Chris. Well, it's uh, we've come to the end of the show. It's uh, been great chatting to you about uh, revenue operations. Uh, been just great having you back on uh, the SaaS Revolution show for the second time. Um, hopefully, we'll see you in San Francisco in in, in June at, at SaaS Talk North America. Um, uh, I, I know Charge will be back, and, um, and so hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you there. Um, and uh, yeah, so thanks so much, uh, Chris uh, Subramanian, uh, CEO and co-founder of Charge B. Yeah, thank you so much, Alex. It was uh, fun talking to you again. Thank you. Look forward to meeting you soon. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps your SaaS company get traction, grow, and scale. Chargebee are one of our global partners. They've partnered with us for the last five years, and this year you'll find them at SaaStock North America in San Francisco in June, SaaStock 20 in Dublin in October, 
at Sasto Australasia in uh, Australia in December. If you'd like to learn more about partnering with Sasto, contact us at sponsors at sasdoc.com.